Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning from uh, California in the West Coast, and uh, good afternoon to all points east. We're going to continue today our discussion of intuition and how to develop our intuition. It's really the only alternative we have to logic. And so uh, two weeks ago, we talked about deductive logic and inductive logic and compared it to intrusive thoughts. And I want to remind you that brain researchers are using task-related thinking and task-unrelated thinking as a wonderful way of separating deliberate, purposeful thought, cognition, from the noise, the voices in your head, the monkey mind, the intrusive thoughts that are full of negativity and with which we're all quite familiar. (laughs) And then last week we talked about Uh, gut feelings and the difference between instinct and intuition. Instinct being, oh no, run away, what to avoid, and uh, at least in terms of fight or flight, instinct is many things. But in terms of fight or flight, it's what to avoid, run away, danger, Will Robinson. Whereas intuition is much higher. This is uh, the heart chakra. And this is what to move toward. And that's the old boy end of the bar magnet. And then our emotions pretty much are uh, experienced in the body between the heart and the base of the spine. We talked about that last week. Today, let's go a little bit further. How do I develop this intuition? How How do I promote it? And you won't be surprised if I tell you it's a relaxation skill. Uh, The harder you try, the worse you do, which is the case in so many things. Remember that phrase, tension disables, relaxation enables. This is always true. And if we find a case where it's not, I'll apologize then. (laughs) But I'd like you to, uh, that's worthy of remembering that in all cases, the more holding on, our attachments, our clutching and grasping. That's all physical tension. And it's also obviously a response to anxiety and stress and fears, is tight muscles. And the trade-out to be stronger and either fight or run is that we lose awareness. We get real stupid. So tension disables us mentally and emotionally. Relaxation enables. That's the answer. So isn't it wonderful to consider that by practicing meditation, contemplation, 
introspection or reflection, whatever you want to call it, we always have something to do whenever we don't know what to do, right? The physical world is a reflection of what's inside. The more you focus on the world around you, the, uh, I say this, I don't want to say the less aware because you can be aware of the world around you, but you're looking at a result or a reflection of your consciousness and quite obviously the consciousness of other people. You look out into the world or use your other physical senses and sensations. It's like looking at a mirror. The world reflects us. If you want to really understand yourself, you obviously have to look in the other direction. You have to look within. That's reality. This is illusion. <laughs> this is a dream, you know, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Um, the world is a reflection of our thoughts and our feelings, our attitudes, our beliefs, and and our expectations and we see this in the so-called law of attraction and manifestation and such, but it's not always so clear because everybody's contributing. <laughs> it's like, we're not in this alone. Everybody's, we're living in a world of other people's contributions as well. So to really understand things, the world, or more importantly, the self and your connection to all things, you have no choice but to look within close your eyes. And a refusal to do that is the source of all of our problems. That's where I began last week. The illusion of separation is the source of all of our problems. Which means if life is difficult, if it's nightmarish, it's because we've conjured up those demons by counseling fear. And... Uh, Sometimes you need to do that. You certainly need to look at the things that frighten you, but you don't want to hold on to that. It's just the, the entrance of the cave. Don't linger there. Move into it. Explore it. And be the light. Be the light that illumines the path. And again, I'll repeat. Any time in life that you don't know what to do, this is what you do. You close your eyes and look within. Stop trying to manage the world. I mean, yeah, you got to steer the car. I mean, you got to make the grocery store list. Uh, you got to pay your bills. Uh, certainly need to be reasonable about this, but it doesn't have to be all that hard. Life is not being done to you from out there. It's flowing through you and moving out into the world. Does it bounce back? Yeah, it bounces back too. It's, <laughs> it's like dropping a pebble in a in a small pool, or a or a maybe a bowl of water, and the ripples radiate out in all directions, one after the other. But then they hit the edge of the bowl and they come back, don't they? It's karma. So thank you for that. Thank you again for being here. I so appreciate it. I want to mention quickly before we move into instruction today that I have begun to podcast this class or a portion of it. You know, we open with the group meditation and then we do uh, instruction here in the middle and then Q&A on the end. 
So what I'm doing for the podcast is lopping off the Q&A and the meditation at the beginning and podcasting usually 30, 35 minutes of this instruction uh, part. And I just double-checked, and we're doing really well. We are the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School podcast is a top 2% podcast, which means we're getting uh, roughly 50,000 downloads a month. Um, we average 19,000 to 20,000 unique visitors, and they are listening to 2.3 podcasts. <laughs> That's how it works out. 2.3 podcasts per month. So that's 50,000 downloads, roughly. And uh, that puts us in the top 2% of podcasts in the world. That's pretty cool. And uh, largely attributable to the fact that I've been doing this podcast for 13 years. And got a broad, a variety of iterations. I mean, we've done webinars with phone calls when I was in Hawaii a lot of solo podcasts and, uh, of course, a year and a half of uh, interviews from the KPFK radio days. And now we're going to do Wisdom of the Soul podcast. But uh, you search for Ageless Wisdom Mystery School and uh, just go to Google or your favorite podcast app on your phone, Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and uh, subscribe to that. Now, the entire class is posted on YouTube as a video, the full 90 minutes. And I would love for you also to uh, subscribe and like and comment there. So, uh, how do they say? Like, comment, and subscribe on uh, YouTube. Then you'll get an email notice every time a new one is posted. And if you miss a class, you're unable to attend, you'll be able to Either watch the full class on YouTube or listen to the middle 30 minutes as a podcast. I'm also considering, and I'd like your opinion on this, uh, posting online at michaelbenner.com and also theagelesswisdom.com transcripts of the podcast at the very least, or maybe transcripts of the whole thing. Uh, the days of an individual having to sit down and do this manually are long gone. We've got uh, some really smooth AI programs that'll do this for us. And uh, so I'm investigating that. If you have a comment on that, if that sounds like a good idea, you'd like to have access to the transcripts, um, let me know. Send me an email, awmysteryschool at gmail.com. AWMysterySchool at gmail.com and let me know what you think about uh, any of this. The podcast, the uh, YouTube, the, uh, the, the possibility of doing transcripts. Is that something that you might use or benefit from? All right, let's talk about intuition. Um, I think we all know the aha experience. And I'm going to compare it to a similar experience, though the comparisons are somewhat limited. I think there's value in discussing tip of the tongue phenomena. 
to put the tongue phenomena, in fact, I'll bring in a third allegory here. It's like the Chinese finger lock. You guys remember when we were kids, we'd have these woven tubes, and uh, you, you, you put your fingers in the tube, and then the harder you pull, the more tightly you're stuck in the tube. And the only way to get your fingers out of this woven tube is to relax and then gently withdraw the finger. That's the way the mind works. Uh, again, tension disables, relaxation enables. The harder you try, the worse you do. Harder you try, the worser you do. <laughs> the worser you do. That's true in sports psychology. There's something called eustress, E-U stress, or good stress, that helps you psych up for a performance. And stage fright would be a good example of that. The, the terror that people feel if they have to get up in front of a group and speak. Public speaking is the greatest fear of all. Greater than fear of death or root canals is public speaking, <laughs> according to the Wallace Book of Lists, anyway. It's the, the greatest fear. And, of course, there's no danger. There's just, what's the fear? I don't know. Well, that's always the point with fear. It's what you don't know. What will they think of me? Maybe they'll laugh at me. Uh, it's not likely. And there are tricks for being a good public speaker, but anytime you wish, you can learn to turn stage fright into stage fever. You can turn fear and anxiety into excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, they pretty much feel the same. Have you ever noticed that, that fear and excitement Pretty much feel the same in the body, girded loins and butterflies in the belly, and you know, maybe heart palpitations, a lump in your throat, or sweaty palms. So what's the difference between the two? Usually a slow deep breath and a letting go feeling of relaxation will convert any fear into excitement because it promotes knowing and understanding. That's the antidote to fear. Ralph Waldo Emerson, knowledge is the antidote to fear. I wish you had said understanding, because that's even more to the point, but I'll settle for knowledge and or understanding, perhaps better said, is the antidote to fear, because what's, what's fear but ignorance and confusion and uncertainty? It's, <laughs> it's not about danger. And when it is, it's what you don't know about the danger. I will not dwell on this now, because we've talked about it before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again because it's so fundamental. So when you want to remember, you've got to relax. That tip of the tongue phenomena? Oh, uh, what was his name? Gosh, it was, uh, I'm getting the letter uh, B. I know it was B something. What's the? And the harder you try, the less likely you are to remember. You all know this experience. You can see that tip of the tongue phenomena. It, it almost has a feeling that goes with it. And the harder you try, the more it eludes you. Now, then you come to a point where you go, well, I, I, I just, I don't know. I give up. And the worst thing you can do is say, I forget. I, I forget. And the subconscious says, okay, want to forget? We can do that. We can prolong your remembering with 
a little tension, a little frustration, that's enough to shatter your ability to recall even more. But what if you said instead, oh, I'll remember in a minute. I'll think of it in a minute. And you stop trying and go about your conversation. <laughs> I, you know what happens. You've all had the experience of, what is it? Rarely more than 30 seconds. Usually 15, 20 seconds later, pops right into your head. Oh, and you interrupt yourself or some other who is speaking and say, I just remembered it's uh, whatever. Just popped into my head. Why did, why did it just pop into your head? Because you stopped trying to logic it out, to use logic and cognition to access your memory. Instead, you need to use intuition, a letting go, and allowing to come forth and some positive affirmations, like that'll be easy to remember. Why would you say to yourself, I hope I don't forget? I mean, notice what happens in your mind right now if I say, do not, I'm telling you, you better not think of a purple elephant. There it is. Big, fat, purple elephant. But I told you not to think of it. See, the mind doesn't know how not to think of something. It can only think of it, and then you could put an X through it and send it to the cornfield or something. But uh, if, I t if I tell you, uh, don't think of a green and orange zebra, you can immediately, in spite of your best efforts, see... Uh, see the zebra. So why would you say don't forget? Because what do you hear then? Forget. Oh gosh, I hope I don't forget. I'm warning you, you better not screw this up, screw this up, screw this up, mess this up. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. See, don't talk to yourself that way. Gosh, I hope I don't screw this. I hope I don't forget. How am I going to remember? Because I always forget. How can I remember to remember? Well, first thing you can do before we even get to remembering to remember is just be positive with yourself. Oh, that'll be easy to remember. Maybe you follow it up with why will it be easy to remember? Well, maybe you use a mnemonic or you say, well, it's alphabetical order or some other little memory trick where you associate something you want to remember with something else. Memories are always stored by association. And then you care about it strongly if you want to remember it. I'll do a whole class on memory at some point. But you have to feel strongly about it. You have to care about it. You remember things that you're horrified and, and frightened of. Those are easy to remember. And things that you absolutely love, 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 love are easy to remember. And if you review your life and what you remember of your life, you'll notice the memories that are most easily available and accessible are those that you feel strongly about, whether positive or negative. So what if you made it a point to deliberately remember? You're on vacation, put down the camera. All you'll remember 
is manipulating the camera. Put it in your pocket. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Drink it in and say, wow, this is, what a great feeling. What a view. Like going to the Grand Canyon. You know, or Yosemite or, or hell, your, your hometown sunset or sunrise. What a beautiful, that flower. It's spring. Here come the flowers. Meadows full of wildflowers. There's your dog running through the meadow. Well, that'll be easy to remember. Maybe even close your eyes and visualize it. Yeah, this will be easy to remember. Just like programming a computer, and the whole process is enhanced when you're really, really relaxed about it. Well, intuition is very similar. The harder you try to understand something after <laughs> making the effort, and you say, well, logic is not revealing this. Uh, I think about it. I've thought about it. I keep thinking about it. I worry about it. Uh, I lay awake in bed at night tormenting myself looking at it from all these different angles and logic has failed me i hope i hope and pray that i think of something intuitively that something pops into my head that helps me realize some insight and understanding some big picture some aha some eureka illumination doesn't it always come like light? Whether a dawning, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, 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 something's coming here. I can, I can begin to see it. It's coming to me. Or maybe a little faster than that. Maybe it's the archetype of the light bulb popping on. Ah, you know, the light bulb over the head in the cartoon. Ah, I got it. Wow, that's a great idea. Man, I don't know why I never thought of that. Just occurred to me, light bulb just came on. Sometimes we're thunderstruck. A lid lifting explosion of insight that changes the world and you forevermore. Mind blowing. Oh my God. So a little or a lot, maybe the gentle, gradual dawning of awareness. The light bulb pops on or you're thunderstruck. But it's an illumination from inside. It's not logic, don't you see? This is not, well, if this is true and this is true, then in these conditions and this must be true, logic is wonderful as far as it goes. And again, two classes back, we spend a whole class on deductive and inductive logic. Enough said. But if we have a lot of particulars, a lot of specifics, and we sort of sense that something must unite, there's some sort of common thread or element that runs through this. There's a pattern here someplace. Well, logic's about breaking things down, deductive logic anyway. And inductive logic is just a guess, it's a conjecture based on an often limited set of experiences. 
so it's really logic and intuition. Intuition is really the only alternative, and most of us walk around hoping for that insight. And notice when you do get it, it usually comes while you're relaxed. You're, you know, you're staring out the window, you're meditating, you're taking a shower, you took the dog for a walk, you relaxed, and boom, that's, that's when it's most likely to occur to you. The harder you work with logic, uh, the, more, the, the less likely you are to access intuition. It's almost like a teeter-totter. It's an inverse relationship. The more logical and reasonable you are, that creates stress and tension. So the less intuitive you'll be. If you want to be intuitive, you've got to, you know, the teeter-totter goes the other way to promote intuition. You've got to be less logical. That means stop working at it. Stop chasing it. Stop slicing and dicing and breaking it into pieces. You need a big picture. You need the aha. You need the overarching concept that unifies or at least harmonizes all these bits and pieces that you sensed were somewhat related. There was some sort of pattern here. So whether it's a matter of... Uh, managing the tip of the tongue phenomena and remembering something or more to the point here today developing intuition it's a relaxation skill you need some affirmative some some positive thinking and expectation to go along with it but uh here's an example i want to give you remember we're going to do q a in about 10 minutes so I hope you will jot down your question or your comment in the chat box so Mindy can call on you. Just a brief summary of what it is you'd like to ask about. and Mindy can either read it for you or we'll defer to you and let you open your mic. Especially if you have a follow-up to it. So be, be thinking about that. I really value the, uh, the exchange. The interaction is important. Everybody benefits from that, so I hope, uh, hope you'll share what's going on in your head here. So here's the allegory I'm going to give you. Um, I call it Feed the Ducks. And it occurs to me that if you take a toddler uh, to the city park to see the ducks, and I think every parent at some time does something like this, you go to the city park and... Kids just, I mean, pigeons will do. <laughs> kids, kids aren't fussy. If, if all you've got is pigeons, pigeons will do. But uh, I think about the ducks, the city park, the little lake. Even out here in the desert, we have a, a, a lake in the city park and we have ducks and geese too. So... The toddler, the little boy or little girl, sees the ducks, gets all excited, wants to get close to the ducks, and so he or she runs. You let go of their hand, off they go, chasing the ducks, and of course the ducks outrun them. 
But it takes a while for the little kid to accept that they're never going to catch these ducks. And so they try and try, and they run around here, and they run around there. The ducks don't go far, but they will always outrun you. They'd outrun a champion sprinter, much less a toddler, right? So what does the parent do? The parent says to the child, look, you've got to sit down and be quiet. You've got to sit down and be still. And here, maybe we'll throw a few breadcrumbs around. And if you remain still and remain quiet, the ducks will come in. And as they come in, if you still resist the temptation to jump up and grab one, they'll come even closer. And the ducks will come so close they can, that, that you can see all these details of the feathers and, and the coloration and the bands, the striping, the magnificent palette of colors on these ducks and how the male ducks are particularly colorful and the female a little more muted. If you allow it, if you let them come to you. And hopefully this works for you as a model as well as it has served me. If I get a good idea and I chase it, I often lose it. <laughs> I start chasing the duck. <laughs> oh, I just thought of something. Let me run after it, right? With my logic and my reasoning and my calculator and my recollections of the past and my science and my empiricism and phew, vaporizes. It's gone. Wait a minute. What was it? I was just, what did I just say? What were we talking about? <laughs> But if you take a breath and relax, close your eyes, just wait. This is the secret to intuition. You have to be relaxed, quiet, still, and patient. And let the idea come to you. I think of Christ on a couple of occasions saying, Knock, and the door shall be opened. Ask, and ye shall receive. And most people go, well, that's really nice. I guess that's about petitioning God with prayer, which is uh, something that uh, speaks more of Santa Claus than the divine. Hey, God, I need your help with this. God is busy making all these micromanaging decisions. He has to decide who wins every sporting contest. He has to decide, or she has to decide, uh, the path of every tornado and hurricane. Has to choose to blow down the church and kill all the people inside. Vengeful God, angry. This is our history. Trying to appease the gods with sacrifices. You know, the fatted calf and the, at the very least, the flowers and the incense and the offerings to appease the separated, capricious father aspect, this uh, angry parent. Well, let's, 
not the only way to look at it. This communication can be more a letting go, an opening, an alignment. What if prayer and meditation were more about aligning yourself and releasing your resistance and, and unkinking the garden hose, so to speak, to stand open and receptive and to allow this wisdom to precipitate down from the rain cloud of knowable things. I'd like it. This is sometimes called the Akashic Records. It's like everything that's ever been known or understood and more overshadows us as a rain cloud of knowable things. That's what theosophists call it. And uh, Eastern religions, it's uh, similarly referred to as the Akashic Records. Again, Santa Claus has this. He has this big book. He knows if you've been naughty or nice, right? He just checks the book. And uh, this is from the ancient wisdoms that all memories are stored, all experiences retained. And uh, I'm not going to go off too far in that direction because that, that too is a, a related field, but a bit off the mark for today. In other words, intuition doesn't come from you, it comes through you. You see, it doesn't come from outside at you. And technically, it doesn't really come from you, though that's closer to the point. It comes through you, it comes through each of us all the time, in proportion to our level of relaxation or tension. It is suspended when we become tense. It's a survival thing. If you are facing some unknown danger and you sit there and ponder, you're less likely to survive than somebody who jumps up and runs before they even know what the danger is. And this fight-or-flight reflex, fight-or-flight response, it's really a reflex, somebody surprises you, you will jump. You'll say, you scared me. <laughs> it's not really fear, it's just surprise, but triggered the same part of the brain. And those who jump and run are more likely to survive and procreate and pass that hair trigger down and look around. We are the survivors. We are the offspring of people who were easily triggered by fear. We are we all have hair triggers when it comes to anything frightening. But look, we survived the jungle. We transitioned from hunting, gathering, hunter-gatherers to communities where we work together. And, uh, hey, I like working with the animals, so I'll, I'll do the horses if uh, you do the farming and you do the dairy and uh, I'll be the sheriff and... We came into communities and found that that worked much better. So we're not in as much danger. And we need to reset or reprogram, or in time, evolution will help us feel more safe. But if this is the deal, transitioning from always being afraid to recognizing how safe you are and then contributing that peace and that love and that harmony and that safety to the world 
so that you can become safer. You see what a wonderful upward spiral this is. But we've got to reprogram. And don't just jump up and run and don't chase the ducks. You have to, <laughs> you have to sit quietly and let these insights, this light. Remember Christ said, I am the way and the light. Spiritual people often talk about light. Well, it's enlightening. Or I'm, my goal is to experience enlightenment. That's how intuition comes. And it's such a wonderful feeling to know that you can access it on demand, that you can promote intuition with relaxation and a closed eye process, provided you get real clear on the difference between deliberate cogitation, thinking deductively, or even reasoning inductively, which is guessing and conjecture based on what little you do actually know, to intuition where you just surrender and open. And um, if you want to understand spiritual things, the invisible uh, universe of energy, you have to access your intuition. And it is more emotional than mental. It's hard to separate because, as I said 20 classes ago at the very beginning, thoughts and feelings are entangled like flavor and aroma. There is no separating flavor and aroma when eating a meal, for example. If you're just smelling a flower without any intention of eating it, I suppose you could say, well, it's not likely that flower would make my mouth water, but I can smell the fragrance of the flower. But the experience of eating, uh, flavor, aroma is a big part of that. Anybody who uh, really appreciates fine food, fine wines, good whiskeys, there's a whole set of experiences that come with the unfolding of the flavor, layer after layer after layer of the flavor. And uh, so aroma is a big part of that. Aroma and flavor are like two sides of the same coin, two very distinct senses. But And so think of intuition and logic in the same way. Uh, and also thought and feeling. They're just entangled very much related. So that's it for uh, today. Next week, we'll practice this a little bit. How do we use intuition to discern the meaning of our emotional feelings? Right? It goes beyond that. Intuition goes beyond that. That, that. That's the whole point of meditation, the insight and the understanding that arrives when you're deeply relaxed and suspend the logic. Intuition.